Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. So life is full of choices. Think about it. This morning when you woke up, how many choices have you already made? Uh, you had to decide what time you were going to wake up, what you would wear to church, uh, what service you might attend, what you would eat for breakfast, if you have multiple cars, what car you would drive into church. Uh, there's choices before us all the time. And many of them we make without much uh, real consideration. Uh, you're driving by uh, Chipotle and you're hungry and you say, I'm going to stop by Chipotle. Not a tough decision because Chipotle is always the way to go. Uh, and then uh, there's other decisions in our life that, man, they take a little bit more thought. Uh, they take uh, some consideration. Uh, man, will I get married? Who will I get married to? How many kids will I have? What college will I go to? What job will I take? Uh, the list goes on and on. And those choices, those ones take a little bit more consideration. And, and think about it. Uh, of all the choices you've made uh, that have brought you here, there's some pretty big ones and there's a whole lot of little ones. Uh, and some of them you would take back because they brought about pain. Uh, they brought uh, just hurt into your life. And you wish you could redo them. And then there's others that you want to celebrate. And so we, we have lots and lots of choices, but at the heart of all the decisions that end up making up your life, I would say that there's one that has profound impact, uh, not just for this life, but one that stretches into all of eternity. Uh, and that choice is whether you will live in the kingdom of me or join with Christ and join the kingdom of we. You see, this one decision of where you will pledge your allegiance will radically impact your entire life. This isn't an overstatement. This one decision can pivot your entire life. But we all start in the same place. We all start in the kingdom of me. And if you have kids, and even if you don't, you've seen enough kids, that you all know we know how to build the kingdom of me really well. Because the kingdom of me is all about getting what me wants. Me comes first, and uh, my desires are the things that, that take first place, and I will always look out for me because my kingdom is most important. It doesn't matter that I might do life with someone else. My life is still the most important, and the kingdom I build for myself will always take first place. And that's the kingdom that we're naturally born into. We're all stuck there. We all are just started off in that spot. And so there's, there comes difficulties when we do decide to find a spouse, when we decide that we're going to group up and be a family unit, and I'm going to have kids, and man, all the little kingdom of me's running around end up causing a whole lot of conflict. Because those little kingdom of me's become big kingdom of me's, and they get bigger egos, and we have to deal with them all the time. But Christ comes and does something different. Christ says, you know, I, I'm, I see your kingdom, and I'm going to build one that's better. I'm going to build a kingdom that will last forever. And I'm going to invite you to join with me on this kingdom. You can become a part of the kingdom of we instead of staying in the kingdom of me. 
Because a lot of times we think that the kingdom we build for ourselves will ultimately last a lifetime. And it will last your lifetime. But I would much rather join with someone whose kingdom lasts forever. And that's the promise of Scripture. Christ says that his kingdom will reign forevermore. We just sang songs that declared that very truth, that we worship and serve a God whose kingdom stretches into eternity past and will continue into eternity future. My kingdom will last for the here and now. Think about it. The greatest kingdom we could probably consider would be the Roman Empire, and it didn't last forever. You had hundreds of people and hundreds of years of history all working towards the same thing, and even its influence will eventually diminish. The kingdom of God, however, the kingdom of we, will stand forever and will have impact for eternity. In Colossians 1, verses 12 through 14, Paul says this, Give giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Phrased another way, Paul was saying that God the Father has made a way for you and me to move from the kingdom of me into the kingdom of we because of the work Jesus Christ did. Jesus made a way for everyone to move into his kingdom. And Paul would later say in Romans 5 that just as disobedience of one man made us all sinners, so the righteousness of one man would make us all righteous. And this idea is that his work is enough. And he invites us to join into his kingdom. And he doesn't just turn on the vacancy sign to the kingdom of we. He doesn't just say, hey, there's room, come join me. He pays the cost to get in. It's like going to a hotel and someone pays for your room. That's pretty great. That's a a good deal. And then Jesus takes it one step further and says, you know, you can have access to my bank account also. You can share in my inheritance forever. So he pays the cost. He invites us in and says, "I, I want you to be glorified when I'm glorified. I want your life to be a part of my life. And it's invaluable, but oftentimes I don't think we see the value of it. Jesus in the the Gospels uh, describes the kingdom of heaven over and over again. And one of my favorite examples uh, of this value that he gives the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of we, is this. He says uh, that it's like uh, a man who finds a treasure in a field. And upon finding this treasure, he looks to calculate how much this treasure might be worth, and he can't even fathom it. It's incalculable how much this treasure is worth. And so he gives up all of his possessions, and he sells his field, or he sells his possession to buy the field. And undoubtedly, the people that would have been close to him would have said, you're crazy to give everything up for this one field. All your possessions. It doesn't just say he he gave up enough to buy the field. He gave up everything in order to take hold of the field because he knew that what was in the field was far more valuable than what he already had. And that's the kingdom of we. We get to make that exchange. We can exchange the kingdom we could build for ourselves, which is fleeting, and trade it in for a kingdom that will stand forever. If you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians 3. If you have one of the black ones, it's on page 1834. In Colossians 3, Paul begins to describe what life in this kingdom is like. 
And the first four verses of this chapter say, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And in those verses, there's a couple things that we can quickly notice. The first thing is this, our perspective shifts. He says to set your mind and hearts on the things above, not on the things of the earth. And so our, our perspective shifts from the here and now uh, to the eternal. Because when our perspective or our mind is set on Christ, uh, we realize that we actually have a future. Because the kingdom of me can't guarantee that I'll live tomorrow. The kingdom of me has no assurance that tomorrow morning I will wake up. For that matter, the kingdom of me, I can't guarantee that in the next 10 seconds I won't die. That's just the fact of the matter. I have no real control over my life. The kingdom of we, however, invites us into a place where we have a future that is secured, not by our own works, but by the work of Christ. You see, Christ did the tough work for us. Look at what he says again. Uh, You have been raised from death to life in Christ. Your life is hidden or wrapped up and protected in Christ. And when Christ is glorified, you too will be glorified. Notice that all these things happen not because of anything we do, but because Christ has already done it for us. Christ has raised us. Christ has conquered death. Christ is bringing us in with him into his glory. I don't have to do any of the work. I just get to enjoy his benefits. That's amazing because so often we get it backwards and we think we have to do more work when we come into the kingdom of we. When we come into the kingdom of God, we think that we have to get just perfect, but Christ is saying, just join with me and we'll work it out as we go. I've already done the tough work. Just join with me. And then as we look at those four verses, there's one other thing that we have to look at. He says you in those verses a whole lot, that you've been raised, that you've been uh, brought to life, that you and you and you, but remember that Paul was writing to a whole church. So he's not using you as in yourself. He's saying the church has been raised to life. The church has been uh, brought to glory in Christ. The church, and so he's saying this you is really a we. We have all, if you are in Christ, been brought to life with him. You've been resurrected with him. And so it's different than just saying you and I. It's not about just me. Because if it was, I wouldn't need to exchange my kingdom. Now, some of you at this point might be thinking, that sounds great, but most of the people I know in my life aren't really all that bad. They don't just like run over me in order to get what they want. They don't just give up everything in order to pursue their own, uh, their own life and their own desires at any cost. That's not the way it really works. And I would probably be inclined to agree with you. I don't think most people are that jacked up. I don't think that most people are really that evil. But the psalmist says there is no one good, not even one. And so we do have this truth of Scripture that says there's no one good and So the kingdom of me isn't good. There's nothing that's really redeemable about it. But people still think that they can do it on their own. Verse verse 5 through 9, however, will challenge that belief. If you think that you can do it on your own, 
we're about to read something that I doubt anyone who's in the kingdom of me will gladly go and do. In fact, I know they won't. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And these words are weighty. And for those of, uh, of us who are outside of the kingdom of me, if that's you, they might seem drastic. But to those of us who are in the kingdom of we, they echo the words of our Savior. We are to put to death that which is not godly. And oftentimes I think we, we don't want to live in that truth. We don't even like the idea that we would put it to death. We just think that we can put it down. We could set it aside. We could put it in the corner. We don't have to worry about it. But the problem is this. If I put it down, I'm liable to pick it right back up. If I put it in the corner, I'm likely to go get it out. Even if I think to myself, man, I'll just put it in prison, if that's the way I look at it, and maybe one day I could rehabilitate my sin, that's not possible. There is nothing good that ever comes from our sin. It's called sin for a reason. You cannot make your, uh, you can't make your greed good. Gordon Gekko was wrong. You can't make your impurity good. You can't make your sexual immorality a little bit less immoral and suddenly it's good. There is no redeeming sin. The only way to cure sin is to kill it with God's grace. You cannot bring it back. Everything else will fall short. Any other action we take aside from killing it will fall short. Because here's the truth of the matter. We, set it, we, we kill it for one reason, to move forward. If I'm standing here and uh, I put my sin down and I start to walk forward, I might have to check. I might check to make sure that it's not coming up behind me. I might check to, to walk and, and make sure it's not going to sneak up on me. Or I might just turn around and go back and pick it up. And that's the problem. It's there and it always draws our attention. When we put it to death, we no longer have to worry about it. Our focus can go from behind us to what's in front of us. Our focus can go from that which has caused us to stumble to the one who has conquered it. Our eyes can finally be fixed on the Lord. We're no longer being pulled off course because if I look back, I will always veer off course. My sin will always jack me up. The only way to conquer it is to kill it. And if you don't like that example, really what Paul is getting at is this idea that we take off the old self. We get rid of the clothing that once defined our life. We get rid of it completely. He, he gives us the idea, and it's meant to evoke an image of some dirty clothes, some, some things that might be comfortable but aren't really appropriate to wear out. I mean, if we're honest, we all have those clothes, right? Like, uh, I have some sweatpants that I really love, but you won't catch me dead out in, the, in public with them. They're kind of too loose and they like fall off me half the time, but they're comfortable and I just love them. I wear them around the house and that's about the only place that I can. You might have whatever it is, whatever that comfortable piece of clothing is, we all have it. And I know that if I, I pull out certain clothes, I've got a, a shirt that I love, I've had for like five years, 
and it's got like sweat stains in it, like just permanently there. And my wife looked at me the other day when I was trying to wear it and said, no, no, that's, that's not happening. You're not going to wear that out. And I said, all right. And it's really that idea. And so I had to get rid of it because it wasn't even worth wearing around the house. I loved that shirt, but it wasn't even worth wearing around the house. And the same thing happens with our sin. We like to think that we can wear it. We like to think that we can go back into it, but it's not worth wearing around your house. It's not worthy of the kingdom of we because it doesn't represent your king well. It has nothing to do with anything other than that. You are representing a holy God and living in your sin and saying it's okay and justifying it does him no honor. We have to put it to death. And even if you you think maybe I can can kind of just leave it there, uh, realize this, your old self represents represents your bondage to your sin. You were in bondage to your sin. Slave, or sin was your slave master, not your servant. There was nothing you can do to control your sin. When you would pursue your own desires, you weren't in control. Your sin was saying, go for it. At all costs, go for it. That's why we see jacked up marriages and we see relationships that get wrecked and we see people who destroy their life because their sin enslaves them rather than serves them. And in the kingdom of we, you experience true freedom for the first time. And it only happens when we get rid of it completely. We tear off the clothes, we burn them, we shred them. They go in the trash never to be picked up again. They have to be taken care of that way. There is no putting them off for another day. It's too easy to slip back into them because the kingdom of we will become quickly the kingdom of me if I let my sin fester. If I allow my sin to rebel against God within my own heart, it will quickly and silently no longer be the kingdom of we but the kingdom of me because my desires will always win unless I work hard against them, unless I make war against my own sin. I have to fight my flesh and my evil desires because that's the only way to move forward in the kingdom of we. And then Paul says one last thing in there. He makes a special point of saying, do not lie to each other. If you are in Christ, this is probably the one spot where it's really easy to get caught up because oftentimes we create a facade for others to see. We don't want to allow others in. We make statements like, I'm doing all right, when really the weight of the world is on your shoulders and all you need is a friend. But how, I can't allow anyone into my life because I have to look better than I really am. But when I lie to others, I'm not being authentic. I'm not allowing others to see where I really need them. You see, the kingdom of we is concerned for one another. The kingdom of we cares about one another's interests. The kingdom of we lets others in. The kingdom of we shares life with one another. The kingdom of we is authentic. When I lie to to others, I'm allowing the kingdom of me to take back over because the kingdom of me is concerned about me. The kingdom of me puts me first. The kingdom of me shuts others out. The kingdom of me will allow others to watch but never participate. The kingdom of me creates what you get to see. 
I curate my life so you only see the things that are favorable on my life. And when we stop lying to one another, we not only put to death sin, but we start to build the kingdom because we're able to be authentic with one another. Going further in verse 9, he says, Since you have taken off the old self with its practices and to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge of the image of its creator, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. You see, the first step is simply to live authentically. And that means that we acknowledge where we're struggling. That means we stop lying to each other, like I just said. And then he takes it one step further and he says, where you have thoughts that aren't aligning with Christ, uh, where Christ has spoken one thing and you're believing another, uh, renew it to the thing that Christ has said, uh, not what the world says. If Christ has said one thing and the world says another, always take what Christ says. The world is built on the kingdom of me and seeks to keep itself ahead of you. There is no way for you to reconcile the two. Be renewed in the image and knowledge of the image of its creator. Be renewed in the knowledge of who Christ is in your life. That's the second step to building the kingdom of we. Replace the, tr- or replace the lies that you tell yourself and the world tells you with the truth of God. And then the next thing that we can do as we look to build the kingdom of we is to allow God to bring us together in unity. Verse 11 says this, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. And if we get this one right, if we get this one idea right, we would be unstoppable as a church. If we could figure out how to live together in unity through Christ, we would be irresistible to the watching world. Our world is craving this sort of unity. The sort of unity where people of all backgrounds can come together and be equal regardless of their current circumstances. And the world is trying to do it. Think about what our, our, a lot of our political fights are about. How do we come together and uh, who gets to win? And uh, we have all sorts of discourse about coming together, uh, but we always get stuck on the fact that I'm looking out for my interest, not the interest of Christ. You see, if we were willing to lay down our rights and desires, the world would be unified. There's no doubt about it. But when I pick up the kingdom of me, when I allow it to rule the world, my own world, and then affect everyone else's, there's no chance for it to, it's, there's no chance for it to work. There's no chance for uh, the agenda to be matched up along everyone's lines. But when someone outside of this world, when Christ comes and says, follow my plan, it's the best one. Follow my plan. All of a sudden, our agenda doesn't have to win because his will. And then lastly this. Look differently than the rest of the world. Look different than the world, than the world does. Paul says this, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. When we practice living in this way, again, you'll become irresistible. The kingdom of God looks so much better 
not because we're trying to portray something uh, to get people on our side, but we're living out the life that Christ has called us to and people want to join with us. They see us living differently. They see us, uh, imagine a world that was kind. Imagine a church that was kind. Imagine a church that was full of humility and gentleness and patience. It would be irresistible to a world that is so used to vitriol and unkindness and politicians being ridiculous and making outlandish statements of corporate bankers going after their own greed in order to get ahead at the cost of millions of Americans. It would look far different if our world was clothed in compassion and gentleness and kindness. It would look far different. And the kingdom of we, our church, our lives are meant to reflect that. So when we take off the old self, that's what we put on. We put on that which is worthy of our king. We put on that which is worthy of representing Christ. We honor him with our words and deeds even if it cost us our glory. Because the kingdom of me is all about glorifying me. And the kingdom of we is about glorifying him. If I can glorify him, here's the benefit. I get glorified anyways. Verse 4 declared it. Verse 17 also says it, that when Christ comes in his glory, you too will come in glory with him. You share in his glory. His inheritance isn't just riches. It is literally every part of his glory you get to walk in. So when every tongue will confess and every knee will bow, you get to share in that kingdom because it will happen. That kingdom will come. Yours will fall, but his will never It will always stand. You get to choose which kingdom you will be a part of. And here's what I love about today. You've got to watch little ones and families declare, I'm a part of the kingdom of we. you got to watch them say, I'm all in. As Jason might say, I'm putting on the jersey. I'm changing my citizenship I'm no longer choosing to be a part of the kingdom of me. I'm all in for the kingdom of we. The little ones who got baptized today absolutely raised a banner and said, I'm all in. I'm a part of the kingdom of we. And that was their next right step. And the kingdom is never meant to be still. We're always meant to be moving forward into it. And so you have an option of saying, I'm choosing to be a part of the kingdom of we or a part of the kingdom of me. So what's your next right step? If you're a part of the kingdom of me, your next right step's really simple. You switch teams. You join in. You say, I'm giving up my life and picking up Christ. I'm choosing to be a part of the kingdom of we because I see that it's far better. And maybe you're already a part of that. So you have lots of options. If you've never been baptized, we have a baptismal. It's full. I have lots of shirts that say I have decided. And if you want to be baptized today, nothing is stopping you. I'm pretty sure that I think we'll be okay if we we go just a few minutes long because someone wants to get baptized. And if not, you can leave. But hopefully if someone wants to be baptized, they can run up here. Tim will talk to you. He's ready to go. Uh, We can get you baptized. Maybe it's simply as saying, 
I, I want to be a part of the kingdom of me. Maybe it's saying, I want to know more about the, the world of, of this kingdom. I want to know more about what it looks like uh, to jump in and, and to read the Bible. Because verse, the later verses talk about the word of Christ being rich. And, and we'll be able to just keep on mining it. And maybe you aren't reading a ton of your, your word. And maybe that's your next right step is to saying, I'm going to commit to knowing more about Christ's word. Maybe your next right step is simply to join a life group. Whatever it is, take that next right step and do it boldly. Don't be afraid of the consequences because what you give up is far more valuable. What you give up is not far more valuable. What you gain is far more valuable. That would have been a really bad way to end that, right? Uh, So uh, again, what is your next best right step? I'm going to pray, and man, you have time. If you, if you need to pray with Tim, he's available. If you just need to say, I need to figure out what my next right step is, and I want to talk to a pastor about it, come forward and we'll talk to you. Uh, we're here for you guys, and we want, we want to build the kingdom of we, uh, not for our own benefit, but so that others would see it, so that others would be able to be invited into the life Christ has for us. So join me in prayer. Uh, God, we thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you have invited us into a world that is so much different than the world we live in. God, that while we're here, we can look so much different and we can give to people that which you've commanded, that we would be kind and gentle and compassionate. God, that we would seek to to build your kingdom and that where it runs into people who are building their own, that we can give them such grace and love that they might join in with you. God, would we be mindful uh, to build your kingdom day in and day out? Uh, Would we put down the rebellion that goes on within us uh, on a daily basis? Would we make a way for you to be glorified each and every day, and would we honor you with our life? So God, we just thank you for who you are. Thank you that we can come together and we can watch uh, people choosing uh, to declare who they are in you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Next week, we are, uh, we're in Simply Christmas. Join us. Uh, we're excited for that. Uh, have a great day, guys.